Psalm chapter 119, verse 97. Oh, how I love. Oh, oh, how, oh how love I the law. It is my meditation all the day. He says it, oh, how love I the law. But we know he's saying, oh, how I love the word. Amen. Don't you love the word of God tonight? Lord, help us tonight. We open our heart and our faith. And God, we come with a hunger tonight to be fed the good word of God. We're thankful for truth tonight. Thank you for the daily guidance of your word in our lives and the difference that you make. We just pray for the anointing tonight to deliver the word of God in that same anointing that we may receive it. And God, we give you praise for it and thanksgiving in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're going to continue. I thought I was going to wrap this up tonight, but I saw as I got further into the lesson today, we're going to go at least one more week. So we'll be finalizing this session on series on restoring our love for God's Word. Everybody say it with me. Restoring our love for God's Word. Amen. And that doesn't mean we don't or anyone doesn't have a love. We just want to get it back to the level or even increase the level from where it is now. Uh, in a time and a day that we're living in, God's Word has came under major attack. People uh, question it, attack it. There's different watered-down, changed meaning of versions that are being used widely today. The Word of God has been attempted to be diluted. It's challenged. It's uh, becoming a time where people put in question if it's authentic uh, because there's all these voices. And there are those who just take it and doesn't really make it something that is of uh, vital importance. I heard one man on the radio said, and he was a preacher, and uh, always had commercials on this gospel radio station. And he said, well, the Word of God is literally a suggestion of what we should do. And I thought, man, you can't even be as far from the truth as anything I've ever seen. The Word of God is not a suggestion. Thank you, Brother Erickson. But, you know, he said what many people really perceive the Word of God to be, or they may live it in that perspective, that it's, well, it's a good suggestion. It would be better if I obey that or live by that, but it's not anything I have to do. But yet the Word of God is something that governs our lives. Amen. It is something that if we live by it, we will be fruitful. We will be blessed. But then there will come a day that we'll be judged by the Word. Oh, hallelujah. Everybody say praise the Lord. Now, I do want to share with you, and I know you are Bible believers, uh, love the Word of God, but the Word of God, no matter how much it's attacked, no how much it's challenged, no matter how much it's questioned, no matter how many versions are printed that take away from the real truth, to dilute the Word of God, it is forever settled in heaven. His Word is not going anywhere. 
For the Bible says that it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than one tittle of the Hebrew language. And what that tittle is is a like a dot over the letter I. If you want to know, that's how small of a mark of the Hebrew tittle uh, of the uh, Hebrew language is. A tittle is like the dot over the letter I. That's mighty small, the point of a pen. And he said, it's easier for heaven and earth to pass than one small mark of God's word. Why is it that? Because this is God's word to man. And he's ensured it's not going anywhere. Oh, praise God. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? And 2 Peter chapter 1, 20 through 21 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Amen? No matter who interprets it, it has to be line upon line and precept upon precept. God is not the author of confusion. He is the author of this word. But He is clear. And His word is sure. And His word is absolute, praise God. And it's of no private interpretation. Nobody, I remember uh, a gentleman visited our church. I won't say what faith. You'll probably figure it out. But I was back talking with him, and we were just, you know, relating about the Word of God. And he said something that I kind of knew they believed, but to actually be bold enough to come out and say it, I never had encountered that. But he said, and he mentioned of his religion, he said, we, the so-and-so, the leaders of so-and-so, have the right to change the Word. I said, do what? I couldn't help myself. I said, do what? He said, yeah, our leaders, because we're the ones that go all the way back, the Roman, you'll guess the rest of it. He said, God empowered this church, the leaders of the church, to change the word. And that's why they don't really want their people to read the word. Because they want to interpret it and tell it the way they want it to be told. Hello? I taught a Bible study, someone that same faith, and they did get the Holy Ghost. But they told me they were raised up in the schools, and they were never allowed to really or encouraged to have a Bible. They, they were told they didn't have enough wisdom to interpret the Bible. Therefore, they would be leaned upon those who taught them. That is not biblical of all. For the Bible says of no private interpretation. The Bible teaches us that the Word of God is our daily bread. It is, the Word of God is alive. It works, operates, and functions in our daily life. <clears throat> Think about this for a minute. I mentioned this to Brother Dustin today as we were talking in my office. and I said, you know, the Word of God... Most of us probably don't really realize the true impact of God's Word in our life. If you've been raised in it or whatever length of time you've been in church and you've learned her through the preaching, the teaching, and the study of God's Word. But if you stop today and said, okay, and I know you can't do that, but just imagine it. If I abstract, subtracted 
all knowledge of God's Word out of my life, where would my life be today? It impacts our lives more than we truly realize. There's so much of God's Word has became a part of who we are. It's what we believe in. It's what we set our values by. It's what we set our morals by. It's what we set our standards by, our way of living by. Our children learned it in Sunday school. Let me give a big hand to parents who bring their children to church. Let's give a big hand to Sunday school departments and teachers because that word is going in their heart, praise God. And they're learning it. And, and I remember a small child, someone asked them, what happens when, we, when someone prays for you? said, God heals you. Hello? And, and that's why I try to tell parents, and I understand you need to make that decision about a child being baptized. But when they come forward to be baptized and they are told no, but yet they're going back to Sunday school the next Sunday being told you need to do this to go to heaven. I do think you need to ask them why they want to be baptized. But they're being taught that, and it's getting in their heart. And children who are raised in church have such a great inheritance because the Word of God is in their heart. It becomes the way they live life. It's what they begin to govern their life by. That's where conviction comes from. Hello? Now, conviction comes from the Spirit of God, but the knowledge of right and wrong in most cases of just, uh, you know, we get from the Word of God. That's how we know it's wrong. And then the world says that, that we, you know, separation of church and state, and we can't emphasize the Scripture, but this world operates by Scripture to a degree. Why is it wrong to kill somebody? Ten Commandments. Why is it wrong to steal? You get arrested and put in jail. Ten Commandments. Come on. And so much of our world functions and operates under the principles of God's Word. They're not going to get away from it. They're going to try to separate government and church, but it's impossible. Because it's who we are. It's what we govern our lives by. Now, we would be in much better shape if they continue the Word of God in school, if they continued the Word and believing in, in, in governmental agencies. But so would we if we really did it in our homes the way we ought to. Hello, somebody. So it's of no private interpretation. Nobody has a right to interpret the Scripture. Now, do we get every interpretation just right every time? No, we don't. But we, that's why the Bible said, he says, study to show thyself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We come into knowledge of things as we grow in the word of God. Hello? I used to think that, you know, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. I thought, Brother Lee, that meant you please God. He'll give you the things you want. Until I came to a greater understanding, and I realized what that scripture is saying, that God will impart the desires into our heart, and those desires didn't come from ourselves, but they come from God. If we'll delight ourselves in the Lord, He begins to put desires into our heart that leads us to a greater walk with Him and to obey Him. Oh, praise God. 
And so I just use that as an example. How many times have you read something, you thought it was this, you maybe heard it preached from that, but then you studied and you broke it down, revelation come, and it's not that you were trying to misinterpret it, you just didn't have full understanding. And that's why the scripture teaches us, with all thy getting, get understanding. Hello? In Ephesus, Acts chapter 19, when Paul came across the disciples, certain disciples, they were devout men. That's what disciples, they were followers of John the Baptist. But the first question he asked them was, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, they said we hadn't even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Now, we could look at denominal churches today that don't believe in it, that don't teach the Holy Ghost, that don't experience the Holy Ghost. And, and we could say, wonder why, how in the world can they read this Bible and not see it? But because under the teaching of their leadership, it is omitted in most cases. So they don't ever come to the fullness of knowledge or they have it. But yet, like these people, Paul preached unto them the truth. They were rebaptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. They received the gift of the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were followers. They were uh, followers of John the Baptist. They had been baptized under repentance. They had some knowledge, but they had not come to the fullness of knowledge. Oh, praise God. I hope I'm making sense tonight. So, under, everybody said understanding. We don't get understanding the first time we read something sometimes. That's why we need pastors and teachers. I learned a lot of what I know, and I need to know a lot more. But I learned a lot by listening to my pastor, who had already studied it, who had already heard it from others. And they brought those revelatory interpretations and understandings of God's Word that made it clear. That's why church is important. That's why teaching is important. That's why studying the Word of God is important. Because we're not just reading this Bible because it's a good ideal. No, we're reading this Bible because we need to absorb its principles. We need to absorb the doctrines. We need to absorb and understand what it's teaching us that we can begin to apply it to our lives. Oh, praise God. Clap your hands to Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. In verse 21, and this is why I don't get through with series this quick. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. This was not man's doing. This was not just people going, well, let me write this. This sounds good, or that seems to be the right way to do it, or here's what happened historically, or this is what God was thinking, and this is what we think God was really meaning by that. No, 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 no. The Bible says, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That word move, when you look it up in the Greek, it means to be breathed upon. The Holy Ghost begins to, you say, well, how did that happen? How did, they, how did John see all this stuff of revelation? How did Daniel see all of this end time things? Because God moved upon him. To record, it was God who shut it down and said, you don't write anymore for the time being. Amen? Well, y'all looking at me like that side dish you didn't order. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, but just like 
if you're teaching a class, you got your outline there. Hello? Now, this doesn't line up with you've got a recorded word of God. But if you're teaching by that outline, you study, you got your scriptures and things, but all of a sudden you're being fed like what happens when I'm up here preaching and teaching. You're being fed. That's coming directly from the throne of God. You didn't plan it. You didn't study it out. But during that study, and we need to be prepared, the Holy Ghost begins to move. God begins to speak through us words He wants us to hear. And that's how God moved on holy men, not just anybody, but holy men that were in tune with Him and that would be sensitive to Him and write the words that He breathed into their life or spoke into their life. Oh, praise God. The Word of God is powerful. Amen. So what is, the, what is the importance of daily Bible reading and Bible study? The importance of it is it brings spiritual growth by bringing knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Everybody say it with me. It brings spiritual growth by bringing knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. We can have knowledge, but not the wisdom, nor the understanding. And that's why we need to study the Word of God and not just read the Word of God. It, it, we do want to read a good portion of the Scriptures every day, but what if you read 50 chapters? Well, And we've all done that, you know, just read. At the end of reading, we hadn't really absorbed a whole lot, but we read. Anybody ever done that? I mean, we marked it off. We read that, that, that Bible through in a whole year. But what did we learn? What new revelations came? What deeper understandings came by that? What applications did we begin to make into our life because of what we began to learn and understand of the Word of God? I'd rather us, and I'm telling you, read all you can read. But I'm saying I'd rather read five chapters a day and study than a hundred chapters a day and not get understanding. Okay? Now, they give you a book at school, and they say, read this book, and we're going to give you a test. And one teacher said, now, look, I want you to study this book. we got a teacher right here. She can't wait to get back to school because of her kids. Now, Sister Erickson, what if they just read the book? Are they going to pass the test? Most likely not because they're not going to tame if they just read it to read through it. But if they break it down and begin to study the things she lays out and breaks down to them to study, then they're going to begin to learn, memorize. I mean, a lot of stuff we did memorize, okay? I couldn't tell you what it was two weeks later, but I did pass the test. <laughs> Y'all all know that to be the truth. But that's different with the Word of God because the Word of God is so rich and so powerful and so profound that once it gets in us, it doesn't leave us. You may not can quote it verbatim a year down the road, but it's principles, and you may not can quote it, you know, com you know, as I said, completely, but the essence and the principles and the understanding of that Word is forever there once you get it you got it hello hear me once you get it it's kind of like when I got the Holy Ghost I put away the worldly music okay 
I'm driving down the road one day, and the Lord speaks to me. He said, you could be listening to something that edifies me instead of something that edifies the things of the world. So I switched the channel. But if I am somewhere in a restaurant, a bank, or whatever, wherever I'm at, music, rock and roll sushi. Hello? Anybody ever been to rock and roll sushi? You know what I'm talking about? I remember all the words to those songs, and I haven't heard some of them in over 35 years. I'm going, where is this coming from? The mind is a magnificent thing. It retains through memory. But none of it is more powerful than the Word of God. That's when we're reading scriptures, and people are quoting scriptures, and you look out in the congregation, people are going, they're quoting them too. Huh? And, and I've seen it done. I've done it. You've done it. Why? Because it's in us. And it's going to come out of us. But it being in us is not just for us to quote it. We'll talk about that next week. But it in us is to live by it. For it to quicken us. Conviction to come. Encouragement to come. Hello? Guidance and direction comes. Oh, praise God. How much do we love His Word? Hello? The adversary wants the Word to become something common. Something that we don't partake of every day. Something that we don't study, that we just leave it on the table because it looks good. Hello? Something that we just read occasionally. You'd be surprised some people really don't read the Word till they read it off the wall. Hello? And that's exactly what the devil wants. Because then it's not operating in our life and it's not alive and functioning. And we're not being governed by it. And it's not convicting us the way it ought to do. Because we need a fresh Word. I, you know, I appreciate all the word that we learn, and it will affect us and help us, but we need that continual fresh word to speak in the moments of our life. There was a song come out, and I don't know the letter, I don't know the words, but I remember the, a Red Letter Day. Y'all remember that song? Red Letter Day. See, I'm, I'm old, I guess. But it was talking about the Word of God, things written by Jesus in the New Testament. But Every day the Word of God is operating in our lives. And if we read it, chances are when you read and study the Word of God in the mornings, somewhere throughout the day that's going to resurface. You're going to think on it. Amen? Well, praise God. Proverbs 4 and 7 says, Wisdom is the principle. Everybody say principle. Primary thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Get wisdom. Wisdom comes from the Scripture. You know, I, I, I watched a film uh, years ago up in around Virginia, Shenandoah Valley area, back in the Civil War. And it was just one of those old-type films, uh, you know, the role. And in that, I, it was talking about the wars of the Civil War and the battles of, civil, of the Civil War. And it told something that just caught my attention. That many of those generals that were successful took strategies out of the Word of God 
and applied them to that battle and came out victorious. Hello? We too can go to that word through battles of life, challenges of life, and we read the strategies and we read the concepts and the, the principles of God's word, Brother McGill, and we apply it to our lives, and it works. Hello? You've heard me say this before, but I say it again. My wife's aunt passed away, you know, and so y'all got to, you know, we still say our wives, and she still says her husband, but she's my wife, I'm her husband. But y'all know what I'm talking about. So her aunt passed away, and I hope I don't have to qualify that all the time. But her aunt passed away, and the preacher was there in the house. He told this at the funeral, and talking to the family, praying with the family, and uh, he looked at the Bible. He said, let me borrow your aunt's Bible just to kind of see her favorite scriptures. And all through her Bible, it had the initials TP. And so he asked, he said, your, your mother's favorite preacher, I guess, I bet you I can guess his initials. They said, what? They said, TP. He said, oh, no, that ain't it. Well, what does it mean? They said, it means tried and proven. Hello? We ought to put some TPs in our Bible. Praise God. Tried and proven. Let me tell us something tonight. When we study this Word of God and we put it into action, we can, we can print out a TP right there going, I tried it and it proved itself. God's, God said, prove me. Try me. Oh, praise God. Think about when everybody was making excuses of why they couldn't come to the banquet. One bought land. One bought an oxen. And he had, they both said they went and proved it. They couldn't come because they were proving the worth of the land or proving trying out the oxen. And God says, prove me, try me, and allow me to prove my word is true. How many times has God proven his word to us? Oh, praise God. And then with all thy getting, get understanding. Knowledge is good, wisdom is good, but the best is understanding. Because, Brother Brian, understanding teaches us how to apply it, what it's for, what it means. Why do we do this? I remember when I was a youth pastor, we taught a, did a series, Why We Believe in What We Believe. Because so many young people are just told, because. I said so. <laughs> Come on. But we wanted to break it down. That's when you see the guidelines of leadership and volunteers in this church that we live by. It has a scripture underneath them. Because I don't want you to see a list of rules and, and regulations. But we want to see what the word of God says. And this is where we derive that from. It's not a list of rules because we're Pentecostals. But it's something that is derived from the word of God because we're Christian. Hello? Praise God. Well, hallelujah. Everybody say understanding. The word makes a difference in our life, and it's 741. Lord, where did this time go? Y'all must have sung a long time. I know I hadn't preached that long. I keep going. All right, don't nudge me on too much now. Uh, knowledge and wisdom and understanding is something that blesses, enriches, and protects our life by the word of God. 
Now, David said this in the psalm. He said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Now, David is saying, I hide it deep where it's always there, that it doesn't go anywhere. It's not hindered. It's not lost. But it's there always in this private place of my heart. And the reason I hide it there, that wasn't the only reason, but that I might not sin against God. David's saying I'm using his word every day to prevent me from doing the wrong things, from following the flesh, from following the the, the temptations of the adversary. David is saying, I use his word as my God. And we can go back to the days of Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness. And how did he defeat the devil? He could have smote him. He's God. He could have done anything he wanted. But he set a principle and an example for you and I. And he defeated him with him. His word. He said, It is written. I want to tell you back in, in our day and time of 2023, we ought to try what Jesus says instead of just pushing back the temptation, trying to overcome the temptation. We need to say, Devil, let me tell you something. It is written. Hello, somebody. It is written. And quote that word to the adversary. And here's some good words to tell him. And that says, give no place to the devil. Don't give him opportunity. Don't give him a voice. Don't give him anything visual. Don't give him anything influential. Don't give him a space whatsoever. Because if we give him place, he will take advantage of it. We ought to have such a guard over our life that governs our soul that when the devil tries through avenues or venues to attack our world or our family we ought to say ah devil I know what's behind this I recognize the evilness and the deception I understand the lie behind this and we're not going to give place to this we're going to go ahead and cut the radio off right now if you would per se we're going to tune you out We're going to close this book. We're going to walk away from this. We're not going to listen to that voice. We're not going to be influenced by that because it might be a good person. It might seemingly be something not so bad, but there's a voice on the other side that is sending the sounds and the messages, and we don't want to give it a space. Oh, praise God. I used to set my girls down. They were girls. Clay was, you know, they were teenagers. I'm sure Lacey remembers some of those visits back to her bedroom. We sat on the bed and talked. And every, look, don't don't be upset if your kids ask why. Be upset because they had to ask why. Hello? Because they had to ask. But don't be upset if they ask. And don't tell them because I told you so. And I tell them, girl, I tell our girls in clay, and I give them scripture. This is why. And I'd always try, and I ain't trying to sound like, I'm not trying to sound like the perfect dad because I wasn't. But I say, look, here's what you don't understand, and I understand you don't understand it. But it's still my responsibility. I want you to get it from the word of God, but if you don't get it, we still got to do it. 
that's my responsibility till you turn 18. Hello? I said, but I know you don't understand it, and I get that, but here's what I want you to understand, and here's where you need to trust Daddy. You see something that's a gray area. You see something that's seemingly not that big of a deal, and others are doing it. But what I see is the spirit of the world. What I see is the devil trying to get inroads into your mind, into your heart, into your life. And you don't see that. You just see the little gray area, not so bad thing. And that's what we've got to recognize in our children, in our own lives. There's something promoting that. There's something on the other side of that. Well, hallelujah anyhow. Look at your neighbor and say, hallelujah anyhow. It's a truth whether we like it or not. <laughs> Praise God. We all know. Now, the devil isn't good, but he is a good devil. He's a deceiver, a master deceiver. He's not going to throw the worst thing at you and say, here it is, just what it looks like. No, he's going to paint a, and I, I know you, you Oh, mercy, where does time go? I, I know that we've used this illustration for years, but let me borrow it one more time. Why do they paint these billboards to look so enticing? Marlboro Joe riding a beautiful horse on a beautiful range. Everything looks perfect, and, man, it makes you want to be like him. But you got to smoke a Marlboro to be like him. I mean, you know, they're just, all, they're trying to sell a product, but they're trying to paint an image. Now, not trying to be distasteful, but why do they put so many pictures of almost naked people to promote yogurt? And, and I could go on and name other things. They only do that because they know what gets your attention. They know what appeals to the human eye. They know where the interest level. They don't, they're not worried about They just want you to buy the yogurt, but to get you to look at the yogurt, they're going to get you something there to look at. But what they never put on the billboard is cancer most likely is going to happen if you keep on smoking. Cigarettes are going to triple in a few years like they did. Hello? You're going to have COPD. They don't say all of that and then put a cigarette and say it's your choice. No, they put Marlboro Joe up there. Are they? I got to go on. They'll have a whiskey bottle up there. Crown Royal. And a woman in a negligee. Hello? Or, or maybe if you walk in the mall, I was walking in the mall one day, and I, I thought, God, I got to get out of here. <laughs> On one side was Victoria's Secret, and they wasn't nothing secret. <laughs> Hello? On the other side were Abercrombie Fitch, which if you interpret that, is naked men. Hello? And here's kids walking. I ain't tempted by that for sure. Just for clarity's sake. But here's kids. And all these pictures on the wall. Why? 
Because the devil knows what appeals to the human eye and the heart. But it never shows you the other side. And he's never going to show us. And if he does that in the marketing world, he's going to do that in every avenue of his deceptive works into our life. That's why the scripture says clearly, don't give any place to the devil. I don't care how innocent it looks. I don't care how, how gray area it may appear or others are doing it. There's a spirit behind it. And that spirit has one intention, and that is destruction. Let me tell you something. Apostolic boys and girls and people are devil's targets. Hello? Leaders in the church are the devil's targets. Come on, somebody. Well, praise God anyhow. Now, Lord have mercy. It must be, I may be good two more weeks. I'm just now getting to the main part. Y'all got another hour? No. All right, I'm going to do this and then I'll bring it to a close. Well, hallelujah. No, I won't. This is a good starting point next week. Let's stand together. The Word of God is so powerful. And with all the things that's coming against us, the Bible says give no place to the devil. Watch this. Set no wicked thing before thine eye. And then they wonder why we want to preach against things we preach against. I mean, it's got to be talking about something. Hello? And it's not talking about just one thing. Anything that is wicked, let's don't set it before our eye because our eye is the window of the soul. And once we begin to partake of that and look at that, it's going to draw an interest. It's going to build an appetite. Let me end with this. God cares how we dress because we're his temple. We're his children. It's all through scripture. God cares how we dress. We're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to dress holy and modestly. We're modest. We're not supposed to reveal the flesh because it brings thoughts and temptations. I'm trying to remember where I was headed with that. Oh, I know where I was going. Woo, Lord, hallelujah. (laughs) And so the adversary knows all this stuff. How does everybody find out what's fashionable? It's because they start marketing it. And they start trying to push it. Wear this, you'll look like this. I mean, they make you think you weigh, that if you wear this, you weigh 300 pounds, but you'll look like you weigh 120. <laughs> Here's my point. Fashion begins to be influenced, and people begin to feel like, i got to wear that. Remember back in the old days when mamas, had their children to stand in front of the mirror and do the tests before they went to church? I mean, mamas do that today. There's some of you here. I'm not saying none of you don't, but I'm sure some of you do. May all do it. But there's a reason. It wasn't being dictatorships. It wasn't being overruling. It was going, you know what, here's a principle here. If we're not careful, fashion is going to govern what we wear and not biblical governing what we wear.
not modesty. And so these are things that are so important to us that we would live godly in this present world. Now, it didn't pick the world, did it, Brother Maddox? When it said present world, that means a world that we would live godly, whether that was in 1500, 1800, 1900, when everybody supposedly dressed right. Come on, somebody. All the way to year 2023, and as long as the world exists, in this present world that we're to live godly. Brother Lee, y'all remember, I promise I'm closing. Brother Lee, remember you and I knocked on the door, and it always stood out because it proved a point. We're knocking on doors at Barley Court, inviting people to church. And Brother Lee and I knock on this door, and there comes this lady to the door. She wasn't fully covered, and it would have took a lot to cover it. Let me just say that. And she wasn't nowhere near covering it. Wide open, like a window pane. And as soon as that door was open, it was no big deal. She was coming to the door. As soon as she saw we was preachers, she went, Why? Why? Because people know. They'll say there's nothing wrong with it, but they know. Come on. They're going to cover up. Well, if Jesus walked into the room, there wouldn't be a debate. Lord, have mercy. Why am I doing all this? I am sometimes flabbergasted, in awe, shocked, and mad. When I see how some dads let their daughters dress in public. And I'm thinking, what are you thinking? You're putting your daughter out there on display? For every eyeball to look at and for every mind to think about? Where's God in all this? That's why we need His Word. Hello? That's why we need His Word. That's why we try to dress right. That's why we want to live right. We want to talk right. We want to treat people right. Because we're not living our lives by our own mindsets and our own ideals and our own opinions. But we're, li- we're striving. We're not perfect, but we're striving to live our lives by this Holy Word. Oh, praise God. Musicians, if you'll come. Oh, you're already there. Everybody say, I love his word. Because it's going to help me. I live in this thing called flesh. And it's appealing to the things of the flesh. The devil knows what buttons to mash. Come on. He knows the right times to present something. But can I tell you, we're going to live by this word. We've got to have it in our hearts. Oh, we'll pick back up next week. If you'll just come around the altar tonight. And let's just pray, God, hide thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Lord, help us to learn of thy ways that we could live for you and serve you. God, that we could strive to please you. We're not perfect. We're still learning. We're still growing. Oh, but we want to go beyond the milk and we want to eat the meat of the word. We're going to talk about that some next week. But we want to grow. We want to grow. And we've got to have your word. 
God, give us a fresh love for the Word of God that we would partake of it, that we would digest it, that we would study it, that we would have understanding of it, that we would apply it to our lives. Yeah, God.